All right, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of the Tune in the Podcast. We are the biggest and best podcast for all things Newcastle native in the Southern Hemisphere. And today I've got a jubilant lay with me down in Brisbane as we discuss the latest thumping down at Villa Park for Eddie's <laughs> Mighty Mags. How are you doing, mate? I'm Ari. Thanks, uh, Craggy. Cheers, Slim. Nice to be back on the old podcast after a two-month hiatus, or whatever it turned out to be. Uh, family over Christmas and all that, but uh, yeah, no, nice to be back. Nice to, I mean, I'm absolutely knackered. I'm totally fingered, as uh, Bobby would say, but because uh, I was up at 6.15 to watch this this morning. Um, but it was class, wasn't it? It was a good game. Uh, first 60 I? minutes, at least, was pretty decent. Um, sort of went a little bit sort of nervous after the, the 60 minutes, but that's to be expected, I suppose. But no, pretty good. Tired, but that win's kept me going all day, like... Definitely. It's, uh, like I said, we're up at uh, 6.15 for this one. So it's a quarter past eight kickoff midweek, uh, which is absolutely bonkers for any fan travelling. Um, Why is it 8.15? Is it because of whoever broke us? Nah. It must be. Because I think uh, the Arsenal game was on a little bit earlier or something like that. So they didn't want to have two clashing at the same time. God knows. But uh, I was a stupid time. But uh, was it? I think it was 3,900 fans over two tiers. Something like that. Oh, it's melt, it? I mean, it really I, is. I wouldn't be surprised if they couldn't even get back afterwards. I haven't seen what the, the story is, but usually trains go tits up, don't they? Or um, all the hotels get sold out or something, and all our fans still travel down there in massive numbers. Uh, I mean, today they just continuously sang pretty much for the whole game. It was it was awesome. Villa Park was really quiet. Um, but it, you, you do kind of wonder just how many of those guys have and girls have managed to... Um, to, to make it back to the northeast the next day, and how many have had to sort of, I don't know, find shelter somewhere else? I wonder how many have called in sick uh, this morning. <laughs> I imagine Sorry, boss, I'm uh, in Birmingham. <laughs> but uh, I've got my uh, cup of brummy tears right here, and I'm <laughs> sipping on those because they absolutely taste fantastic at the moment. But uh, uh, it was a it was a cracking game. It was a good start. We'll get through the the lineups, but before we do so, if you don't already, please subscribe to the channel. We oh, are a uh, Nats whisper away from cracking 1,500 subscribers, so if you can, please hit that subscribe button if you don't already, and give us a five-star review if you are listening on any of the audio platforms. We'll dive straight into these lineups. We'll get uh, the Villa team out first, they were the home team. Uh, starting off with uh, Martinez in goal, who apparently is the best goalkeeper in the world, according to uh, an old Aston Villa uh, podcast uh, team member that we had on and Cash Consa Longley. It was Longley the bloke from uh, Spurs that uh, Miggy absolutely destroyed in a uh, three point lane last season. <clears> I'm sure he is. Correct yeah, me if I'm wrong with that one down in the comments. But uh, Alex Moreno, uh, McGuinness captain, Kamara, Douglas Louise, Tielemans, Diaby, and Ollie Watkins make up their starting 11. Now, what was your thoughts going into this uh, game league given our? away record and Villa's home record? Well, we always do the um, score predictions, don't we, before the we before each game. You always stick that little tweet out. Um, I got the last one right, nailed it. Uh, this one, I knew there was going to be goals because it tends to always have goals, this this particular fixture. Home and away, really, there's always goals. Uh, so I knew there was going to be a few banging in. So I said 4-4 four, four. because <laughs> uh, I, I didn't I didn't really expect us to, to take all three. Uh, you, you know, you've, you've got to look at the the record of Villa last 360 odd days, whatever it was, 80 odd days, uh, where they've been unbeaten. And yeah, they dropped points recently against, uh, was it Forest? Maybe? And uh, did the draw. Well, I think. Um, but then uh, after this game, <clears throat> after this game, I was reading a bunch of the comments on the fan forum because, of course, that's what I do. And um, to be honest, a lot of them were saying, you know, this, 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 this result's been coming for, for at least a month. Like, I mean, obviously we watch Newcastle, but don't necessarily sit there and watch other teams at, with the same kind of vigour. But um, according to the Villa fans, uh, they've been not quite the same since they beat City and Arsenal. Uh, they've, they've kind of been pretty lazy, lackadaisical, out of ideas. Um, the the manager's not changing things quite as quick as he could, or he's putting players in that he trusts more than players who have perhaps a better form at the time. Um, all that I didn't know. I just thought, Going to Villa, they're in fourth place. They've got everything to play for. They're trying to get that Champions League position uh, to make it theirs. Uh, they've got a hell of a record at home. 
Um, yes, we stuffed them at St. James's, but we got them at the right time, I reckon, uh, in the season. Um, and so I was expecting lots of goals both ways. Um, you know, Martinez, you, you kind of joked there, but he is obviously a World Cup winner and he is, he is an exceptional keeper. There's no doubt about it. But I mean, some of these other players are hot and cold, like Matty Cash, eh, sometimes he's all right. Sometimes he thinks he's Matt Grealish. Sometimes he's, you know, he's just terrible. Conza, uh, Leng, Leng, Lenglet, Lenglet. Uh, Moreno, McGinn can often be very good. He sometimes drags the team along by himself. He chips in with a few goals here and there. Kamara, I thought at times in this game, was pretty handy. He was, I'm sure there's one point in the middle of the park where he took on like six people and beat them all. He did, I. To wriggle free. Uh, Luez didn't do much. Tillemans, I am, I am not impressed with Tillemans since he went off the boil at Leicester. Uh, your mate Diaby, um, he might as well not be on the pitch. There was that one yeah. time I can think of where he went into the box and he could have, he should have just shot at uh, Martin Dubravka and instead he tried to cut it back to Ollie Watkins. Um, and that's all I can remember he did that entire game. Um, and then obviously Watkins himself, who got the goal, but until Bailey came on, he was really just sort of wandering around doing not very much himself. So I thought this was going to be a lot more of a challenge than it actually turned out to be. We just basically beasted them in the first half and I think that's what kind of broke the spirits a little bit yeah it was um a few players in there that can absolutely devastate us and hurt us you know Ollie Watkins in this same fixture last year tore us a new one when uh, they beat us 3-0 uh that right. first opening few minutes when uh, they hit the post and had a few other chances set the the pattern for that game but it's pretty much a role reversal for this one and we'll get into the um the action very shortly but we'll just get into the Newcastle lineup so, pretty much as expected, to be honest. Uh, Dubravka, Trippier, Shaw, Botman and Byrne making up uh, the back lane. Bruno, Longstaff and Miley in the middle, with Murphy, Gordon and Isak up top. Now, one name that did return to the bench was Miggy Amaron. Are you surprised to see him in the squad, A, the fact that his transfer didn't go through, and the fact that he was also suffering from an illness? Um, I, I mean, you never really know what the illness level is going to be. Um you know, it's something that Eddie will see in the training. He'll make his own decision on that. The transfer thing is weird, though. I mean, do we even know if that was a genuine thing? Do, do, you know, there's been so much speculation and names getting chucked around, and it's very difficult to know what was just pure speculation and what was actually uh, a real potential transfer there. You know, all the you keep hearing people saying, oh, he wasn't really keen on it. He's happy where he is. Sort of making it sound a bit like the club was trying to get rid of him to bring in some cash for to balance FFP, and you know, I imagine to bring some mm. other players in. But I mean, it, who knows if that's even true? Um, you could say, you could ask the same question about Trippier for that matter. Um, Wilson's not obviously in this lineup, but Trippier, another one who was heavily linked with Leaven. Um, how true was that? How close was that? Was that just simply other clubs causing mischief, you know, trying to unsettle, trying to um, make it look like they're doing something to their own fans when in fact they've got no intention. It wouldn't be the first time Newcastle's been used to bloody nah. boost another club's uh, interests, uh, whether it's our players or other players completely, or you know players themselves even, to get better contracts and stuff. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I didn't really think too much about Miggy being on the bench. Um, I did kind of wonder if Tino would have started over Burn because I think the general thought was Diaby was going to absolutely murder him down the wing. Mm -hmm. uh, for pace, if nothing else, but it just didn't happen. Diaby was yeah. so out of this game that, he, like I say, he might as well have just been in a different team in a different continent somewhere. He was, he was absolutely sackless. I mean, I know you said that he was mint and you wanted us to get him in the summer, but as I said in the chat afterwards, I reckon we might have dodged one there, like because he was suspicious. Um, but the rest of the team picks itself, doesn't it? I think that was was that the same team as Fulham. Uh, it was, I believe. So I, yeah. I first uh, let that started anyway. But um, game starts, and it started off with a, a fair bit of pace, fair bit of a to and fro from either side. But Newcastle, they took control early on in the game. Uh, there was a few nice little tackles in there, a few little, uh, yeah, where he had to uh, compete this time, you're not going to roll, we're over and tick with belly like you did last year type thing. And one of the, the key stands out straight away was how Bruno impacted the midfield within the first few opening minutes. Don't know if uh, you paid much attention to the midfield this time, but uh, from the kickoff, Miley was on the left side of midfield and Longstaff was on the right. Whereas for the first 45 against Fulham, it was role reversal and it didn't necessarily really work against Fulham. But they swapped it in the second half. Again, Miley on the left, 
Longstaff on the right. And that does seem to have a, a lot more impact and involve both players in the game more. And that's how Eddie started this one. And I thought that midfield had a very, very good balance compared to how previous games have looked. Well, I mean, what were your thoughts on uh, the midfield's opening 10, 15 minutes? I think, um, I think I think you can really just talk about the whole team in that opening period. I don't think you... I mean, I know you're asking about midfield, but I think Eddie was right in his his post-match um, post presser. It was, it was more like the Newcastle of last season, where we came out the traps flying, in, in with some kind of hard challenges, closing down the men. Um, when we were pressing, we had other men behind us kind of taking up the space. If they, so if they tried to spin us or pivot and get out of it and pass, we had somebody, in, as you say, in the midfield was balanced, so there was someone there waiting to intercept. And um, I think, I mean, Bruno was, Bruno was fine. You know, he's, he, he does that. He, he always does those wonderful spread balls from the middle out to the wings and that kind of thing. But he was... I don't know. I don't think he's quite at his absolute ultimate best yet. Um, he wasn't at Fulham either. I mean, he was. He wasn't all great at Fulham. Let's be honest. Um, he was better today, though. I, I don't know if it's just the, the level of, of the, of the opposition. I don't know if it's the fact that there was so much on on the line for it because other one was Fulham was FA Cup. And this is the league. Um, I, I I don't think I don't I don't remember seeing. I mean, I think Longy was a little bit off. I don't remember. Miley, Miley was tidy, but I don't remember him doing anything particularly sensational. But as a unit, including the defence, perhaps particularly including the defence, we were looked a lot more like the Newcastle of old. And um, I think just by that complete unsettling of, of Villa dominating their midfield area, we um, we took it away from them kind of, well, scored the two goals obviously in the first half. But I think yeah. even before then, you could see one of the teams was much more into this game, much more up for it and um, had the energy in their legs and stuff. Uh, and it wasn't Villa, it was us, which is brilliant because... There's been a times this season where you've just thought this isn't the this isn't the same Newcastle as last season. You know, there's too many injuries, too much fatigue. I think maybe the fact that we're we've only got two competitions now is starting to feed a bit of energy back into the legs as well. Wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. God knows we were knackered in those four competitions. Oh God, I, yeah, we absolutely burnt out. Uh, there was no way we would be able to sustain that over a course of a season without anybody left. Saying that we've got anybody left new. Um, <laughs> Bugging as it is, huh? <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, game goes on and Newcastle take control. Um, they are first at every loose ball, they are stronger in the tackle, they are faster up and down the pitch, and they are defending as a solid unit as well, uh, just not letting Villa get a sniff, really. And yeah. getting on to where uh, the first goal it actually came from a break down the, the left hand side. Uh, from Anthony Gordon, I believe it was. Um, and the ball is crossed through, goes out for a corner. And Trips, who he has come under stick for some of his deliveries uh, this season, where he just hasn't beaten the first man. But he got this one pretty much bang on uh, the money for uh, Shaw's opening goal, didn't he? He did. I think um, I think in general, his, his overall performance in this game sort of has been elevated over some of the more recent levels in other games for trips. You see, I don't know, maybe maybe it's because of all the speculation around him and leaving and stuff that he's kind of like, right, maybe. I'm gonna show you I'm gonna show you how good I still am kind of thing. Or, or I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna just basically show the fans that I'm still dedicated to the club or or I don't know what it might be, but it might might just be like I said, he's had a bit of a rest. But he um he was much better today. His crossing was a little bit better. It wasn't perfect. I mean still you know what you get with trips, but then again, you know if you're constantly taking all of the set pieces, uh, just by you know the, just by the stats of of the number of crosses that you make, and there's always going to be a bunch of them that aren't going to be as good as the others. It's not like he's sharing the load pretty much. He's 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 fairly taking all of them by himself. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of the times he just blams it into the first man. And it's like, well, there's that's that gone. And sometimes they're on a break on, on the result on the back of it. Uh, but this time whipped us straight in. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened here. Did it? Did it sort of float into the middle and Shaw was kind of just ready to let it drop? I think he lost his two defenders. He had two markers around him, didn't he? And he, he managed to get him two, our, two of them or behind them and something and then just kind of slotted it in. I forget. I think uh, the, the main one who was on was uh, Douglas Louise, but I might be wrong on that one. I think it was mm -hmm. a, a little bit of pinball as it floated over a few people's heads. Um, and it just fell comfortably on Louise, uh, on his foot and he just waxed it into that bottom corner. And... You want to say it's a good finish, but from that 
um, distance and that sort of range, you shouldn't really be missing those types of tapping, should you? No, well, unless you're long stuff, but no, otherwise, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna get on that later on. <laughs> um, no, but I, I mean, I love Fab Shaw. I know you asked in the chat, like, has he been the best pound for pound signing since uh, who did you say, Rob Lee or Rob Lee? Aye. Yeah, so uh, he, he's he's been terrific, three and a half million quid. Like, come on, mm -hmm. that's ridiculous. I can't even buy a house over here for that much money, and you're getting like no, a Rolls Royce Swiss bloody. Football player for how long has he been at the club now? It's been a while, isn't it? Six, seven years, I think. Nice. So you've you've getting your money's worth out of that guy like ten times over. He's and he's getting better. He just seems to be keep getting yeah. somehow he's he, somehow he's not getting worse, even though he's getting older. And every now and again he still pops up and scores the odd goal. Usually it's a thunder bastard from outside the box, but this time around he got he had two pretty easy tap-ins, didn't he? In the end. Yeah, it was a it was a, a well taken goal, albeit the one that he should be hoovering up every single time that opportunity comes to him. Uh, runs away, uh, does his usual whirly finger celebration. No idea what that actually means, by the way. Uh, I don't think anyone's ever asked him or whether he's said what it means, but you know, it's his trademark effectively. Um, and we took a well deserved lead uh, on what I believe was uh, just the thirty third minute. So again, thirty second. Yep, so uh, we were comfortable, well-deserved on that lead there, and we limited Villa to pretty much that one and only chance that you mentioned from uh, Diaby where he cut it across when he probably should have took a shot. And as sure. far as I remember, that was pretty much the only opportunity they had in that first half. They may have tested Dubravka from the edge of the box, but nothing else that springs to mind for you. No, but my memory's terrible. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> No, I... I... When when was that one where it was it was shot towards goal and Dubravka got his fingertips to it and he pushed it sort of wide? Was that second half? Or was that first half? I can't remember. I mean, the fact is they did they didn't do anything like near enough in that first half. No. Villa, they were shocking. Yeah, the, for the the team that was last season, they were literally chalk and cheese. Um, but you'd think from uh, earlier on in the season, match game one, Emery would have uh, learned his lesson from that high line for how easily. We can punish and get in behind. As we've done it on a number of occasions before even that first goal went in, and we continue to do it right through up until pretty much the hour mark. Do you reckon Emery was a little bit maybe ignorance on that one? Or do you reckon it was just literally a case of, this is my game tactic, I will stick to this? Uh, I don't know enough about how he does his teams, to be quite honest with you. Um, he didn't want to bring Bailey on too soon, or didn't he? Certainly didn't want to start him because he had some kind of back injury that he was only just coming back from, and he wasn't quite sure whether he was ready for a full 90 minutes. So he thought, I'll protect him and I'll just play Diaby, who cost him, what, 30 odd million quid and has been at times all right. But certainly in this game, he was completely anonymous. Um, could could he have changed things sooner? Yeah, absolutely. He could have took the warning after the first goal went in. As you said, we, we'd turned him a few times. He could have went, all right, I'm going to change things at this stage. But nobody knows why he didn't, other than him and, and his backroom staff, you know. Uh, I'm pleased he didn't. Absolutely. God, I. <laughs> but um, four minutes later, uh, it went for a double delight for our Swiss superhero, Fabian Shaw, when uh, Anthony Gordon rattled one in off the crossbar, albeit via deflection. And mm. he was the quickest to react to another toe puck under Martinez. And... There was a, a VAR call to see whether... I, I don't know whether it was for offside or whether it was for a, a push, I think, maybe on Matty Cash, not too sure. But when I watch the footage back on um, NUFC TV and you see that Villa player who's he's just on the pitch, he's a good two yards on the pitch, but he's a good five yards in front of everybody else, clearly playing everybody else on onside. Yeah. So again, I'm not sure whether it was for a foul on him because he did hit the deck or whether it's offside. But if it was for offside, how does it take two to three minutes to clear something as blatantly and obvious as that? Well, the obvious answer is because we scored, and only because Newcastle scored, do they have to then go, all right, lads, uh, you know, let's get the team in, let's see, figure out how we can rule this one off. Nah. <laughs> um, it, it obviously wasn't for offside, unless unless he happened to be behind the line, because that wouldn't count, would it? So if he was perhaps, because he was, I'm sure he was coming back onto the pitch at the time from behind the I, line. If he was out of play, it wouldn't have counted, I. Yeah, so I wonder if they were just checking if where he was at that point. Um, but otherwise, he was blatantly onside. I mean, he was in stupid no man's land, wasn't he? Really? Uh, mm. So it, maybe it was just for the push. I didn't even see the push. To be honest with you, nah, me neither. But um, nice finish. Tune it up. 
It really was again quickest to react, and you know he's what 32, 33 years old. I think Fabian Chano. Um, might be a little bit of it's not, but yeah, he's uh definitely getting better with uh age. He's like a fine wine, isn't he? He's yes. just uh getting. I, I tell you what, it was easy to to think too much about that opportunity. I reckon in my mind, like if he's had no time to to react, he's basically he sees the ball comes loose off um off the post. I think it was, wasn't it? Um. And it falls to him, and he, he runs onto it, but he still has. See, I would have thought he would have went to the near post because that's the closest bit to him, and and you sort yeah. of imagine that's that in your head that'd be like, oh, I'll go there. But obviously, he had the fourth throw, even even in just that short amount of time to hook it in the other direction. I think Martinez even went to the side that I expected him to kick it to, and he, he went yeah. to the side. So he caught, he caught out the World Cup winning keeper by doing that as well. I think that was actually a smarter finish than than maybe it looked at first first go, you know. Uh, yeah, I yeah, agree with that one. Um, you know, it was pretty much it's a type of goal you would expect Wilson or Isak to tap away, like a mm. striker's predatory type finish, just because the strikers tend to have uh, those slightly quicker reactions to mm. most. But uh, yeah, you know, if uh, Wilson or Isak had to tap that in, you'd say it was a proper predator's goal. Mm. Um, but now, nah, cracking uh, finish, we go tune it up, and uh, Jordy Delight is uh, doubled on that one. However. Not too uh, much longer later, we have a bit of an injury scare with uh, Isak going off with what looks like a groin strain yeah. uh, on the 43rd minute. Now, he did just sit down. <sighs> I didn't see what caused it. I didn't see whether it was a bump with another player, whether he just overstretched or what, but he was sat there looking a little bit dejected because it's his groin again. That's what kept them out for a few games a, a good few weeks ago before Christmas or whenever it was. And it took them a little while to regain fitness. Now, with Wilson being not quite match ready for this one and possibly even missing the Luton game, your thoughts on Isak going off injured and the longevity of uh, that injury and what it could be? Or what it could well, be in the club, sorry. Eddie Howe says it's probably not that bad, so he's obviously out for the rest of the season, isn't he? Let's be honest. <laughs> um, the... I said I said in the chat as I was watching the game, I said, Isaac's not right here. Do you remember I said that? Uh, you did before, I, you went, yeah. before you went down, I said, there's something not right with Isaac. I was watching him and he was he was out of position at times. He was in the wrong position at other times. He didn't have any sharpness about him. Um, he didn't seem to be anticipating things. He didn't have, he didn't seem to have the pace. Uh I could just I could tell there was something not quite right. And now whether or not that that was the groin. That he could already feel, perhaps, uh, and it was effective affecting him, or something else completely. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he just had a bad night's sleep. For all I know, but it was just funny that I was I was watching him thinking, "This isn't this Isaac's off here," and then I don't know, four or five minutes later, he's down and he's off with his dodgy groin. Um, I mean, it's just, I mean, at one point, it looked like we we're going to lose Debravka as well. I did. He's, I... he's sitting here thinking, "Fuck, can we can we get through a game, please, where we don't have to like stretch off." at least one player to, you know, take him to the bloody field hospital and have his, you know, take bloody cut his leg off or something. It's, it seems like every single game, there's something happening to one of our players where we've, you've got to reshuffle the pack or kind of makes you wonder how we're going to get through the next few bunch of games. And, you know, it, it's just so bloody frustrating. I'm pleased Dubravka got through it because actually he did pretty well in this game. And um, he did. I'd rather, I'd rather have them than carry us, even though I still don't, trust him from what he did to us but that's another story um and it, it remains to be seen whether that kick to his thigh that he got because it was a horrible tackle for mighty cash um just went studs into him uh, when there was really mm. no wasn't really no option it was, there was no chance he was going to get the ball and i don't even think cash got even a yellow for that but with it coming back to isaac i've wandered off a bit there coming back to isaac yeah i think someone in our chat said you know it's usually wilson's fit or isaac's fit and never the, the pair shall ever play together. I think there have been one or two occasions where there hasn't been the case and actually have been on the pitch at the same time. Obviously, it's happened before, mm -hmm. but it usually tends to, to be one or the other. So maybe Wilson's closer than we think. Um, but it's just so bad luck because because Isaac's got that skill about him, that crazy kind of skill where when he's on his game, he's he's like he can be our best winger, he can be our best finisher. He's um, you know he's he's just he's brilliant. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I suppose if he's not ready for the next game and Wilson's not ready, then it's going to be Gordon up front, isn't it? And if he gets injured, 
we're really in trouble because Golden was absolutely brilliant in this game, by the way. He was immense. He really was. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing. I, I'm glad they didn't actually risk getting Isak to half-time like they did with Joe Linton at uh, the derby because he obviously pulled his ground. They got him in at half-time, done the odd uh, little bit of treatment, sent him back out a few minutes later, and then he was subbed off, which... Hindsight, we don't know whether that is what's caused the end of your season or anything, playing those extra few minutes or anything, we'll never know. But I'm glad they didn't take that risk this time because there's no way we could afford to lose Isak for uh, any length of time, let alone uh, the rest of the season. Uh, uh, yeah, and yet that still could happen. For all we know, you know, his season's uh, yeah. done. Um, I was only joking before, but for all we know, he, he could have actually, you know, they'll, they'll do a scan UK today time, I'd imagine. Um, ahead of the next game on the weekend there, but it could be done, for all we know. God help us if we have to go through the season with Gordon and uh, Naked Wilson. Oh, not Jesus Christ. But uh, <laughs> that brings me to half-time. Newcastle have a comfortable uh, tuna lead and well-deserved tuna lead as well, although you'd think everybody involved with uh, Sky Sports or whoever was on the, the commentary, they were absolutely devastated with uh, the two goals that we scored. It's great when you hear the, the commentary go, Newcastle going to the break, tuna look. You guarantee if it was Villa, they would be having the sun shining out of their arse or any any other team, to be honest. They just didn't like Newcastle winning, do they? In any which way, shape, or form. But I, I love uh, it. Bring it on. I'm I'm sure that's I'm sure that's more kind of just uh your black and white goggles on there. But um certainly what uh, we watch Optus Sport over here for the Premier League, and it was um there was Townsend on commentary, wasn't it? Uh What's his face? Sandy Townsend and right. some other guy. And um, yeah, there was just a complete lack of enthusiasm in, in all of the commentary about Newcastle. They were saying, mm -hmm. you're going, yeah, you know what? It does done very well. I have Newcastle. Doop -a -doop -a -doop with his big nose. Um, but you could hear <laughs> in his voice, he was just like, oh, God, I'd rather be somewhere else right now because Villa were just terrible. Um, but, you know, you can only beat the team in front of you. And we did. Exactly. And uh, shove it up your ass. So, come back on for the second half. A uh, few Villa fans, as I was going through where uh, the Aston Villa hashtag at halftime, they were expecting maybe one or two changes um, as the second half gets in the way. But both teams came out uh, as they started. And the second half started pretty much the same as the first. Uh, we were dominant. We were in control. Never looked like uh, we were going to take our foot off the, the pedal. And... On the right-hand side, uh, sorry, left-hand side this time, uh, Lewis Miley has the ball. He tries a neat little uh, back heel, but it doesn't quite come off. Loses possession. But uh, him and Miggy gang up on, I think it may be in Derby. Maybe I'm wrong on that one. But uh, it then breaks to Gordon. Gordon then gets it back to Miggy. Miggy puts in a perfect cross. It was out on the left-hand side this time. Inch-perfect yeah. cross uh, for um, Murphy to tap nice. in. And somehow... The uh, the goal has given us an own goal to Moreno, I think it was. And you're a yeah. bit baffled by that one, aren't I was uh, when I watched it sort of live. Um, Jackie Jackie Boy reckons it was um, because the ball wasn't going actually towards goal. But when I was watching it live and on the few replays I saw, it, I was like that. I was convinced that was going towards the goal. I mean, it's a great big goal, and he's only he's only on the corner side of it, so he's got the whole goal to aim for. Um, I mean, Murphy himself afterwards was like. Well, Newcastle fans, uh, you know, nice to be involved. Nice to set them up for an own goal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, he loves it, man. He loves the tune. It's great. Um, mm -hmm. But he, he uh, I mean, to be honest with you, he should have done a lot better. That, we, we got pretty lucky with that one. Um, he should have buried it, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not even exactly sure how he didn't because he just had to shape his body and hit it with his foot. And he sort of, he kind of... I don't know what he did. He got his feet caught up or something and it kind of bumbled off his shins or something, the ball. And obviously the defender wasn't expecting that to happen either. So he just slid it in. And uh, defender Clades with the post. I think he's lying down more there because he's priced oh. at the fact he scored an own goal rather than oh. actually being injured. I don't know, uh, but it was a, a hefty collision uh, nonetheless. Oh. Oh. But 3-0, um, 50-odd minutes on the clock. We're pretty much in dreamland uh, considering, again, same fixture last season, and it looks as though we are going to be doing the the league double over Villa for the first time in ten years. It was the first top flight league goals we had scored at Villa Park in 
10 years or however long it was. Obviously, we've been in the championship, they've been in the championship, so it's a little bit um, skew with on that side of things. But yeah, 3-0, and we're thinking game is done on this one. And then Villa decide they want to make some changes, take Diaby off and bring on Bailey, who kind of caused us some problems in his, uh, his half-an-hour cameo or until Eddie decided to make some changes himself. What did you think of Bailey when he came on? He was class, absolutely class. Um, he brought us like this this energy that the whole Villa team seemed to have just completely lacked from, from the start of the, the game. He came on, looked like he had something to prove. Um, he had... He had pace. He had the beating of Dan Byrne quite comfortably. Like every time he went down there, it was like, this is going to be Bailey's. You know, he's got, you know, he can do whatever he wants at this point. And uh, he set up, he set up uh, Watkins for the golden, and he almost got another one out of him as well. But he, um, he was good. He, uh, he made all the difference to, to the last thirty minutes for Villa. Really, I mean, I'm pleased. Well, forty minutes because they got nine minutes from somewhere at the end. Hmm. But I'm, uh, I'm. When, when you think about those, he, he was on for effectively 39 minutes. Right. So he managed to do... I think what happened was he when that sec, you know when they scored that second goal and it got ruled off because Watkins' toenail was offside? Yeah. I think I just broke the spirits. The, the, just the heads dropped after that. It was like, well... Because that was them on the on the up. They scored the one mm-hmm. and they were like, looking like they were going to score as many as they wanted after that with Bailey running us ragged. And then they got that one ruled off, and then it was just like, oh yeah, that's right, we're going to get knocked out of this game. Um, but no, that was a good sub. That was a good sub, and obviously, I'm sure you're going to touch on this next. Um, Eddie did some something to counter it, didn't he? He did, yeah. So on uh, the 75th minute, so 50 minutes after Villa made those changes, Miley goes off for uh, Tino, uh, which I'm surprised he wasn't brought on uh, earlier, but I imagine Eddie just wanted to suss a few things out first. And he went a five at the back for midfield and with Gordon just left on his own up top. And that just basically nullified the uh, the Villa attack because it forced them out too wide. Uh, they couldn't get anywhere near the box or anything like that. And Tino, he's not slow. He's actually very, very rapid. And it then just allowed the height of Byrne and Botman and uh, shared just to hoover up anything else that was coming through the box. And the only thing they tried to do was a cute little dink chips over, which uh, Dubravka was hoovering up like uh, there was no problem whatsoever, even though he was carrying that knock. But yeah, that totally changed the game. And that man management and that tactical change from Eddie completely won us that game. If you go back to a few previous games where he hasn't changed it or he's refused to change because he hasn't really had those options on the bench, then maybe Villa could have got something out of that game because we were starting to tire, like we have done over the past few games. But that tactical change to go five at the back was absolutely genius, in my opinion. Um, and it's something that Eddie would have looked at and it's something they probably worked on in training as well, given the lack of depth on the bench. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, we only had two real options we could bring on and we used both the Miggy and uh, yeah. and uh, Tino. And obviously, we brought on Kraft at the at the very end, which was kind of almost pointless. But um, we used the two main subs that we had to. Well, the first one was obviously forced because of Isaac, um, but the second one was certainly tactical. Um, and it's just, you know, there's plenty of times when, as you say, but often there's plenty of times when people say, "Look, you could have you could have put Tino on sooner." And you know, mm-hmm. as fans, we sit there and go, "Dan Burn, he's too fucking slow." Turns like the arc. Um, yes, he's got long legs, and that does get us out of a lot of trouble. It gets him out of a lot of trouble sometimes as well. Uh, sort of makes up for the lack of pace. But when he's getting skinned regularly, you think to yourself, surely Eddie can see this. Surely, surely you should just bring on Tino sooner rather than later, rather than put up with this one another 10 or 15 minutes and potentially concede. Um, so it was good to see that. I, I can't. I don't know what the times were when Bailey came on as opposed to when Tino came on, but certainly going five at the back when we had three goals and they had the one um with towards the end of the game it was it was the right decision to make uh he um i mean so we went defensive we obviously started sitting back a fair bit and we were just punting the ball into space quite a lot um when we got the ball off filler we just hawk it up the pitch and just waste a bit of time we also were throwing ourselves to the ground every five minutes uh because the ref seemed to just be quite keen on on blowing his whistle for us which was nice um but I think, I think it was the right thing to do. You know, sometimes people like Ange, for example, say, "Oh, I've got one way of playing. I'm always going to keep doing it." You, you can't. You need to have 
an alternative structure, not an alternative mm-hmm. formation, an alternative idea if the if plan A isn't working. So it was nice. It was nice to see Eddie do that. It was nice to see it work for us. And it'll be nice. Well, I haven't looked yet, but it'll be nice to see people praising Eddie for once. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's had a few uh, naysayers in social media, as we've seen, and some of the players have as well. But they can eat humble pie on off that performance. They really can. Um, now, the game's drawn to a close. There is a ball hauked up the middle of the pitch, and I think it's uh, Bruno who gets onto it first. Bruno then feeds Gordon. Uh, Gordon then feeds it back to Bruno, and Bruno then feeds it to Longstaff. Longstaff is one-on-one with Martinez. Um, can't remember how much is left on the clock, but if he buries this, then it's obviously game over. No questions yeah. asked. Neway Villara getting back into it. Do you think it is literally a case of Longstaff had too much time on the ball? Whereas compared to his goal against um, Fulham the other day where he just hauked his foot at it, swung, and it went to the back of the net. Do you think that could be his problem when he gets too much time? He just doesn't have the composure? No, I don't know. I don't know he if he's even... Well, yeah. I, mean, it, it, I don't know how much is just him getting back up to speed. I don't know how much it is. Um, you know, maybe he's lost a bit of form. Uh it, it was kind of like a typical run, really. He runs around the back of the fullback, which he co- likes to do, and then Bruno finds him mm-hmm. as, a, as a kind of defence-splitting pass. Um, but he, he was up against one of the best world, uh, keepers in the world. Um, Martinez is is excellent at those low-down, spread-your-legs, make-yourself-big kind of saves. He is really, really terrific at that sort of... He's good at everything else as well. But you see a lot of the times when players run through on him, He'll spread himself out really wide, um, and nine times out of ten, he manages to get in the way of the ball. He's actually one of his forties, in my opinion. He's he's just tremendous at it. Uh, so, as much as we're sort of saying that was a, I mean, it, it wasn't a tap in. It's not like the box was the, the the goal was empty. But that all being said, when you're one on one with the keeper, um, you'd, you'd fancy your chances more, wouldn't you, than than the keeper to save it? So I I don't know if he scuffed it. I don't know if he like you say he just thought too much about it and tried to place it. Um, maybe, maybe in reality, there wasn't that much to aim for with Martinez closing down the space. Um, it's hard to say, but on first view, when you were like, Oh, how am I? You score that the last nine minutes is just us sort of eating cake and sipping tea, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. But uh, thankfully, uh, that miss didn't actually matter. And Newcastle run out 3 1 winners after nine minutes of added on time, which God knows where they got nine minutes from, to be honest, because that was an absolute joke. Um, but um, I we went in out 3 1 winners. And did you happen to see Unai Emery's uh handshake by any chance? So I he walks up the house, shakes house hand, and he totally blanks Tyndall. And Tyndall's <laughs> got a smile on his face as wide as the tine as he walks away. It's <laughs> actually a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, if you get the chance, go back and watch it. But I totally blanks Tyndall. Whether he, there was some um touchline antics like normally is from Tyndall or anything like that, who knows? But um, yeah, he totally blanked him, which I thought was great. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Tyndall winding them up like. Um, I did see Bruno get his chocolate. Um, he did, I. <laughs> Paddy so Palace gave... was the best transfer of the window. <laughs> it was for the fan. Bloody hell, he, he gets a, a match-worn Bruno shirt and all she had to do was hand over a couple of Kinder Buenos. You know, I mean, uh, that's, that's, that's a fair deal uh, for the fan. It's not too shabby, is it? But uh, we'll get to the, the full-time stats. Now, these stats don't paint the full picture because, like I say, from pretty much the hour mark, we kind of sat back, absorbed a little bit of pressure and everything. But um, this is the full time. Uh, so possession-wise, uh, Villa dominant in possession, 61 to 39. They did just edge possession, I believe, in the first half as well. But uh, they had a fair bit more in the second. Shots, 12 to 14. Uh, they had six on target. We had five. Eight corners to them, seven for us. 14 fouls and 12 fouls in our favour on that one there. Now, again, stats don't tell the full picture, do they? No, well, I mean, we the first half, I think the stats was basically possession was almost the same. We had tons more shots than they did. Um, I'm not sure about the rest, but the um, the fact is, after 60 minutes, we we kind of just slipped into neutral and just started revving it a bit. Um, I think we were, I actually think we got we started off pretty tired, um, which is understandable. Um, we we didn't have a great deal of subs that we could bring on to really affect the game, so. If people were getting tired out there or leggy, they'd basically just had to keep going. Um, I know, but it was tactical. We we decided that we weren't going to keep on pressing for 
for a fourth goal, even though we almost got one. It was mostly just a case of um, let's just defend deep, punt it into space when we get the chance. Let's conserve a bit of energy probably as well. And um, we've done the hard work. Mm-hmm. They don't look like they're going to score again if they played for three games in a row. So it, I think it was one of those. So yeah, the possession obviously went through the roof because we were just like, yeah, there's a ball. There you go. See what you can do. I did done that with it. But uh, I always, uh, those stats don't tell uh, the full story, but the league table's starting to look a bit better now, isn't it? Uh, we're up to seventh now, if you can make out on there. Uh, <laughs> so we are sat on 32 points. We break our winless streak, thankfully, uh, with that very, very important 3-1 win. I did actually say as the, the final whistle went, now that's probably our most important win of the season. May not be the biggest, but it's certainly the most important from where we were to how this could be the point where we turn a corner and finally pick up some form and start climbing that table. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at that. Ten losses. I mean, the only people with that kind of number of losses are sort of 12 downwards, Fulham and, and all the way yeah. down to the relegation zone. It's It's been a tough, tough run. Uh, all, most of those defeats have been obviously on the road as well. So the fact that we managed to beat the best home team in the league um, at their place with our god-awful away form um, speaks just massive volumes to um, to how well we started that game and basically shut down any kind of momentum Villa might have been able to to um, mm-hmm. to spin up. Um, it might well be the defining game of of at least this half of the season, maybe it's the whole season, because we were down to tenth, we were slipping down eleventh. You could you could have went anywhere, uh, and now we're back into that sort of last European position. I think that's what seventh is there, um, and. Yes, all right. Look, we're we're eleven points behind Villa in fourth, but we're only halfway through the season. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got three games coming up that present an opportunity to get more points. So Bournemouth, Luton, and uh, who is it? Forest. It is I. Although, having said that, Forest beat us recently, and Luton just absolutely murdered uh, Brighton. So uh, it, it's not like there's easy games coming up, but. You'd expect us to be Bournemouth and possibly get something out of those two other games. So we could be looking all right in the top six, maybe. Um, obviously, there's teams around us, though. So you've got, I mean, West Ham and Spurs above us already on points, but they've played a game uh, less. There's Man United and Chelsea sneaking up behind us with a game in hand as well, who can overtake us. So, you know, we could end ourselves, we could end up back in 10th or 9th or something um, over the next couple of days. But we are finally getting that red L snake, chopping off its head, <laughs> sticking a green W on the end of it. Um, you know, you've got to start. You've got to start the turnaround somewhere, and um, I feel like this could give us an awful lot of confidence. You know, you, we've got to back it up on Saturday against Luton. Um, we absolutely we're do. We're at home, so that gives us that sort of slight edge. Um, and then it's like it's basically aside from the FA Cup, it's basically one game a week. So I, I, you know, I feel like this could be the the launch pad to um to get some some strength into legs, get get rest for some of the team uh, in between each game each week, um, you know, notwithstanding the FA Cup, uh, and, and use the confidence that we'll get from this game if we can play like we did today against other teams that like start that Newcastle of old from last season, like I mentioned earlier on. We could we could end this season. I mean, uh, we uh, end the season on a high. I was kind of thinking, look, they're probably just written this off by now. They're probably just going to like mm-hmm. float in the middle, try and get through the end of the season, and then hopefully have a bit of an FFP spend um, with the money that we didn't spend in this in this window. But now nah, they're still they're still fighting this team. It's great. I think we can just take a little bit of confidence, see where we can get. We absolutely can. We absolutely can. We just need uh, wolves and a day. A- Makes people makes people dirty saying this. We need Wolves and Liverpool to do her a favour by beating uh, Man United and Chelsea respectively uh, over the next day or two, just so we don't drop down the table. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, sitting in seventh, where we were, like you said, a few weeks ago, it's definitely an improvement. Big uh, confidence boost over the last few uh, games, beating Fulham, beating Sunderland, and clean sheets in those two previous games as well. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was definitely. Uh, a record-breaking game as we ended Villa's home win, home winless streak. Oh, sorry, I get that right. Home <laughs> win streak, uh, undefeated streak. Even I get it for the fourteenth time. Uh, <laughs> Three hundred and forty-two days, I think they went undefeated at home. So 
Yeah, it's, uh, it was good. Um, they were turning it into a fortress, just like we did at St. James's last year. I think it was in Liverpool that beat us there last season. But uh, yeah, it was a, a good win. It was a much-needed win, but a very important win as well. And just before we touch on some brick and transfer news, there isn't any, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, who was your man of the match for this game? I'm going to go with Gordon. I think he um, he ran the channels. He uh, he did a, a, a noble job in the, in the forward position when uh, when he was filling in for Isaac. Uh, even you know eighty odd minutes, he is still legging it from one end of the, one side of the pitch right across to the middle to try and close down a Villa defender as he kind of you know he's just getting ready to launch the ball up the pitch towards the Newcastle goal. He got the lad just never ever stopped. Um, even at the, I mean, he, he loves being at Newcastle, you know. You, you can tell he by does. the way he just he celebrates at the end. You can see him singing along the EIIO song. He's, you can see him like going, E-I-I-O. so he, he um he, he loves it. He loves being here. He's um his performance today was just absolutely terrific. So I'm going to give it to him, but I do want to notably mention uh, I think Dubravica deserves a tip of the hat. I'm going to give three points to Gordon. Um, uh, forgetting who I was going to give two points to, Shaw. I'm going to give two points to Shaw. Um, I think I might even give one to Dan Byrne because, you know, the expectation for me was that he was going to get absolutely massacred and a um, little bit wobbly at the start maybe, but he actually turned out to be pretty decent at that position um, yeah. uh, until Bailey came on anyway. And uh, a, notable accept, uh, a notable mention for Dubravka. So, yeah, three points to Golden, though. I think he was um, terrific. Well, if one were a top three, I'll go for uh, Shaw as my um, number three. Uh, then we'll go for Gordon, number two, and Murphy as well. I think Murphy yeah. deserves a, an honourable yeah. shout. Uh, yeah, Murphy we had a 12 weeks off. and Yes, it wasn't a, a muscular injury or anything. It was a popped shoulder. So he's still able to work on his fitness and everything, I guess. But um, yeah, I think he put in a very, very good performance, all things considered. But um, now we're going to get on to some break and transfer news. Now we'll just touch on uh, that review. Breaking transfer news is there is no breaking transfer news because Newcastle seem to have shut shop for this window. Now we are recording this as of 9.30 p.m. Uh, Queensland time here on the 31st of January. Who knows by the time we wake up in the morning, there might be some other news that has come through. Uh, but as of right now, Newcastle seem to have shut shop. Miggy's not going, Trips isn't going. And I can't see anybody coming in or going, can you, Lee? No, and, um, well, I was going to say that Eddie Howe says the same thing, but we all know he talks a lot of crap. <laughs> He's like, He's like, Nothing's happening. It's like that guy in Iraq going, hey, don't worry, there's nobody at the gates. We're definitely not under <laughs> attack. And then, you know, the frigging tank rolls over the top of him. Uh, like, we had Harvey Barnes in the other room doing his medical. He's like, <laughs> where, lads, now what's going on? And, uh, you know, he's, he's right there. So waving at him from the window. Um, yeah, no, nah, but... It's too late now, isn't it? It closes at the end of, is it 11 p.m. still in the UK? Today? It is, I think so. I, yeah. Right. So there's a little and, bit uh, of time, but like, I can't see it. Go outgoings, maybe, but who are you going to leave? Who are you going to let go in? Maybe Fraser, if Southampton want to buy him, like, nobody will notice. That's fine. Get him off the wage bill. Um, other than that, I can't really see it. There's no time left. We haven't got any money. Yeah. We can't spend now. Nah. Nah, that's it. FFP's crippled with as we know. Uh, but there is one name I just want to mention. He did return from loan. Uh, Isaac Hayden. Could he potentially have a part in this squad if our injury crisis continues in midfield? Um, I mean, Christ, if it, if it continues, I've got a chance of getting in that midfield. But uh, as for Hayden, I've always liked Hayden, to be honest with you. He was a proper pro for the club. Mm -hmm. Um all that talk of him wanting to go back home. He was homesick and stuff, and he, he, he stuck it out. He stayed with us the next season. He, he had moments where he was absolutely terrific in the middle, uh, particularly in the championship. Um, I just don't know if he's got the the strength in his leg. He's injury-prone, isn't he? I don't know if he's... I mean, last thing we need is bringing him in, and then he gets injured as well. <laughs> but I don't know if... I don't know if, I don't even know what state his game has at now. I don't know if he's Premier League sharp, sharp or if he's championship sharp or if he's just completely knackered because he's on the injury bench it would just be a, a terrific risk um i kind of just have to hope that doesn't it doesn't get to that point you know i mean i i, I, I don't know i i don't i can't even take his experience about just having a, a, a youngster in there who's not going to get any game time anyway 
Well, you could have said that about Miley, and here he is getting a new contract of 50 grand a week. I mean, you know, unless you, start his, unless you start playing these kids, you'll never know where the levels are, I suppose, at some. Yeah. Like, Miley no, played because we didn't have any, yeah, Miley played because we didn't have anybody else. Now, if it gets to the point where we don't have anyone else, and we've got, like, uh, what's-his-face that we've just had to... I'm forgetting the young lad who's in the middle that we've just recalled, Ben, something. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, uh, one of his name is... Um, he... Uh, he could be the next Miley fall, we know. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure how old he is, but it obviously would be a risk, but we risked it with Miley and it paid off, thank God for us. Um, and now we've got a player who, how much do you reckon he's worth now? He's signed a new contract. He's, I think he was just mentioned as maybe he's 15 million, but he's obviously worth a lot more than that. He is, I. Um, not going to go into any depth of this one, but there was one person on social media creative thread, how he could be our Jack Grealish in terms of an academy signing or academy graduate worth 100 million in the future, which could very well be the case. Um, who knows? He could be the only academy graduate that could be worth that uh, in the next few years. But um, yeah, Maddie, he's well deserved of his new contract. That is pretty much one of the better transfer deals we will do this window, if the only transfer deal we'll do in this window. But if any breaking news does come through, again, chances are we're likely to be uh, fast asleep. But we'll wake up hopefully to some good news. If not, we'll probably find out uh, Wilson's been sold to Chelsea and uh, <laughs> we left with uh, Gordon playing up top for the rest of the season as Isak needs uh, groin surgery or some shit like that. Um, that would just be our look as the season unravels. But you never know. Things uh, are definitely up on the up with that 3-1 away win at Villa Park. Uh, come on, Eddie and his mighty mags. I'm sure we will do Luton at the weekend. And I'll just get a quick prediction for you from <clears> that one only. Oh, bloody hell. Um, we're at home, so I would expect us to win. So I will go with a 2 1. I'm going to go 3 0. I'll take that. Bit of revenge that. On them. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have that. I'll have it. Yeah, but I think probably they'll score. Well, uh, but um, yeah, well, uh, we'll end it there. Uh, thanks to everyone who has been watching. Uh, thanks to everyone who has been listening. Again, if you do watch us on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. Massively helps us out. And again, remember, we are so close to 1,500 subscribers. We would love to get that before the transfer window slams shut in about maybe 36 hours. I'm not too sure on the time scale right now. So if you don't already, please hit that subscribe button and give us a five-star review on the audio platforms too. Thanks very much, Lee, for uh, joining me tonight. Uh, hopefully we can continue this uh, winning streak, pick up three more points at the weekend against uh, Luton. But we will go and enjoy the rest of this night and probably watch the replay of Fabian Shaw's brilliant brace down in Birmingham. Enjoy your night, mate. I will catch you on the next one. Cheers, Slim. Cheers, everyone.